What's up? What's up? What's up? Ladies and gentlemen, you guys look even more incredible in the afternoon than you do in the evening. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, let me tell you something. The struggle was real this afternoon. Can I get an amen? Man, Sunday afternoon is my like prime time nap time. And I didn't get that today. So I'm a little grouchy. I'm sorry. It's not you. It's me. Um, are you guys excited even about the Super Bowl? Like a little bit? Yes, very much. Some people in the front row, the commercials. Um, listen, someone asked me who I was rooting for in the Super Bowl, and I thought, like, obviously, the New York Giants. Yeah! <laughs> All right. Luckily, there's one person that's excited alongside of me. Um, no, definitely, listen, I'm, I spent some time in New York. Big Giants fan. I know that they're not doing well. I know they've not been doing well for quite some time, but... It's my team, you know. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, but listen, man, if you guys are, are here, I'm so excited that you guys are pumped. We've been talking this series about, okay, very good, very good. Hey, I know we got a little bit of a smaller crowd tonight, but I want us to still be able to interact and, and have fun as I drop my notes. Uh, we're talking about revival tonight. It's actually our last message in the series, to which hopefully... This has been a good series for you guys. Hopefully you kind of like, oh, man, that's, I'm, I'm bummed. Um, but we've been talking about revival, and what I'm really excited about is that we've actually accomplished some really incredible things. Last week, we well, actually even before that, the first week we told you guys we wanted to pin stuff to the board. And I think we forgot to put it out, or, or I actually haven't seen it tonight. But, but we have a board that's been being populated every single time you guys have had a conversation with someone uh, about spiritual things. Every time you've, you've told them about your faith, every time you've prayed with someone, we've encouraged you guys along with the middle schoolers to come and, and pin stuff to the boards. And i got to say, minus like the three people who put a pin in, in the middle of the lake, um, I think you guys have been taking that seriously. And it's been really exciting to, to see that, to see you guys desiring to talk to friends about Jesus and to see a revival happen. Last week, we challenged you guys to sign up for prayer. Just by show of hands, if you spent a little bit of time this past week praying, just go ahead and raise your hand. All right, look at that. That's almost everyone in the room. We, we, I, was, I was blown away. I talked to like a middle school, like seventh grade student last week who was like, yeah, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning and prayed. I was like, dude, that's incredible. Like, I didn't even wake up at 3.30 in the morning. And, and I'm so happy that you did that and that you went ahead and, with that challenge. And then right behind him was a girl who was, like, really sad. I was like, why are you sad? And she's like, well, because I got up at 4 to pray, but you didn't say anything to me. I was like, I'm so sorry. Um, but we are excited through this series that people have been spending time praying for revival, praying for big things to happen, praying for the move of God to come in this place. We said early on in week one that the whole reason we're talking about revival is because if we're honest with ourselves, potentially we would all agree that we need some type of spiritual revival in this place, in this community, in this church, in our schools, in our friend groups. And in order to agree with that, we have to understand what revival is. And if you remember all the way back to week one, we actually had a definition for revival. We said to revive something is to revive, to bring back to life. Do you guys remember that? And I told you guys, I'm horrible at this with plants. I, like, kill every plant that I have. But there was this one time that I brought something back to life, that I revived something. I was a hero. I saved. Are you ready for this? I saved one time. This is a story I usually tell the ladies, okay? I saved a puppy's life one time. Thank you. Thank you. 
I'll be signing autographs at the end. No, no joke. We had a family dog. His name was Zipper, uh, or her name was Zipper. And, and, and Zipper, we called her Zipper because she was all black and she had a little bit of fur right here where it looked like, you know when you like pull the zipper down in your jacket? It looked like, I don't know, it was like chest hair. That's really weird. It looked like, looked like she had like, like a little like jacket or something underneath. And, and it was just like this white. And it looked like she had like a zipper coming down. So we called her Zipper. And, and Zipper was a cool dog. And Zipper snuck out one time and... Um, uh, ended up needing to have babies. Um, and so we were hanging out with Zipper, and we knew that she was pregnant. We knew she was going to have babies. And the time finally came. And I'll never forget it. I was either 10 or like 11, maybe 12 years old. I was pretty young still at the time. And my dad was either out of town or he was gone for the day. And as we're walking around, my mom said, Zipper is starting to have her puppies. And so we were all super excited. So we came out and like she had her little like doghouse and, 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 and like bed and, and towels and blankets and everything she needed. And she started to have the puppies. And we would check in on her every couple hours. And I'll never forget this because in between having puppies, at one point she got up from her bed, walked out over here. And I, I hate to be graphic with you guys, but I, I just, there's no way to tell a story without it. She got down like she was going to go to the bathroom. And she had another puppy out here like in the ground. And when she was done having this puppy, she like stood up, walked over here, got back in the bed, left the puppy by itself. Not cool at all. And so I was like, we got to do something. I'm like, this is like 10-year-old style, like, we got to do something. And so I had no idea what to do. And so I found a shovel. And, and, and super carefully, I was, no, it's not going where your thing is going. Super carefully, I was able to like, like, like gently scoop up. The puppy. Now, I'm going to be, again, I, just, I can't tell you the story any other way. There was, like, gross stuff around the puppy, okay? Like, okay, I don't know how to, okay, there we go. So I picked up the puppy, carried it with the shovel back to Zipper, the mom, dropped it down carefully to not hit the other puppies, and backed up. And the mom proceeded to start, like, cleaning up the puppy and eventually kept the puppy. I saved a puppy's life. I revived, I mean, I wasn't like, like mouth to mouth, like, but I brought this puppy back to life. That puppy was going to die out there, and I don't know why she did this or why this happens. If you're a dog expert, come find me later and tell me. But to revive something is to bring back to life, and I like to think of myself as a hometown hero for saving this dog, but the truth is, we're talking in spiritual terms. If we're really, truly honest with ourselves and we look at society, we look at culture, we look at the people that we're friends with, that we're talking to, we need a spiritual awakening in this place. Can I get an amen? Listen, the schools that we go to, the conversations that we have, the conversations we hear, the, the stuff that's on TV, the stuff that's on our phone, like, like we need spiritual awakening. We're not in a good place. Now, maybe some of us individually are doing some good things. Maybe we're making some right choices. But as a whole, our schools, our nation, Lexington, South Carolina, is not in a good place spiritually. And we are praying and we're desiring to see a spiritual awakening, a revival in this place. And God put it on our heart to go through this series. And so as we've been talking about the series, we started to talk about some of the ingredients of revival. You see, if you, if you cook anything, especially if you bake anything, you need very specific ingredients. Like, one of the reasons that I like to cook, and I like to cook, like, Italian food, is because you can just kind of, like, guess. Like, like, people always say, well, how much do you put on? I'm just like, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. A little bit of olive oil, a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper. Taste it. And, and, and I don't know measurements. Like, I don't know if you told me, like, a teaspoon. I, don't, I always get teaspoon and tablespoon mixed up. Maybe that's why I don't bake, because, like, it's a bad 
But baking especially, it's almost like a chemical reaction that happens inside the oven with the ingredients. And if you get one thing off, if you mess up one ingredient, it can be bad. And everything that we do has to have balance, has to have the right amount, and has to have the right ingredients. And we've been talking about the ingredients for revival, and we said the first thing is that a revival can actually start small. Ingredient number one was, was, was that it could start small. And that's so encouraging because I think some of us look at stuff that happens and we look at a church like Mount Horror, but we look at churches of, of pastors on the internet. We see what they're doing, their, their great accomplishments. We look at like worship teams, like Elevation, and we, and we just think like, that's incredible. I could never do that. I could never lead something like that. And the beauty is it doesn't start like that. It starts small. A lot of times it's a conversation. It's a dream that someone has. It's, it's two people coming together and deciding to do something about a problem. It starts small. The second ingredient we said, and this is when, when, when Trevor spoke, we said that revival starts with you. You see, every big move in history, every great revival happened with a person realizing not only does our community need spiritual revival, I need spiritual revival. And guys, this series has blessed me so much. It's challenged me to, to make sure that, that I'm spending time reading God's word, that I'm spending time praying, and I'm just not just like getting up here and just talking, but that I'm really reviving myself spiritually, that I'm saying, God, start with me. Start with my walk in relationship with you. And so it starts small, it starts with you, and it starts with prayer. And we talked about this a lot last week, but we believe that there are things that happen when we pray that would not happen if we didn't pray. Prayer is so important. It's the foundation. It's key. It's the reason for all of this. It's super, super important. And so tonight we're going to talk about one more ingredient, the final ingredient when it comes to revival, and that is sacrifice. Everyone say with me, sacrifice. That's right. Revival starts with sacrifice. Now, sacrifice is one of those words that, that you may have heard or you may understand exactly what it is, but it's one of those words that's a little bit uncomfortable, if we're honest. You see, because sacrifice essentially is this, putting someone else before us, putting someone else's needs before us, putting someone else before us, putting something else before us. It means taking what we desire, what we want, and putting something else in front of it. And this is true in relationships and friendships. In family, that's a little difficult. And I think the reason it's difficult is because, again, we live in a culture that is pretty much selfish. We do everything that we want. We do everything that we desire. It's whatever makes us happy. It's iPhone. It's not us phone. Okay? Like, it's like everything revolves around us. That's why we're called the selfie generation, because it's just such, everything we do, I do, is such a big deal. We think that we're the hero of this story called life. When really, we're just such a small part of all of humanity, of all that's going on. And I'm telling you guys this, I've been a Christian for a long time, I've been a youth pastor for almost 10 years now, and, and I still struggle with this. It's still difficult. You see, just about every Sunday, when we're done with Sunday school, uh, we, I'm in here with the middle school group, the high school group is up the hallway, and, and usually the high school group, they, they finish late because they start late, and, and we're, we're holier with the middle school group, and so we get our stuff done a little bit quicker, you know, and a little more efficient. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But when the, the high school leaders come down, we usually meet out there, like in the little lobby area. Some of you guys have seen us, some of you guys have hung out with us on Sunday mornings after the 1045 service, and we typically proceed to ask this question, where are we going for lunch? Now, I would just say this. 
I, I, as you guys can tell, like I, like I enjoy food, I enjoy eating, and so oftentimes I have an opinion on where I think we should go as a group. And a lot of times I'll say, well, where should we go for lunch? Well, because no one offers an opinion, because no one suggests anything, I will very cleverly sometimes be like, hey, what if we tried, and I'll just like whisper something to someone's ear. I was like, oh, yeah, no, we can go wherever. Miyabi Jr. sounds great. And suddenly the group's like, huh, Miyabi Jr. sounds awesome. Or I'll just be like, man, you know what we haven't had in a long time? What's that place um, where they have the big burgers with the fries? Well, it's like a lot of fries. What's that place called? Five Guys. Yeah, let's go there. And so I will do that sometimes to try to influence the group. I've never been, I don't think I've ever been to Red Robin, but it sounds good. They're the ones, the Red Robin. Yum. So one Sunday, we were all hanging out, and we asked, where should we go to lunch? And somebody, I don't know who it was. If I knew who it was, they would not be my friend anymore. I'm just kidding. But somebody suggested that we, as a group, should go to Panera. Can you believe it? Panera. On a Sunday, after church, when you're hungriest. Like, listen, I, I, didn't, I didn't get this physique from going to Panera, okay? Like, I just was not excited. I was like, Panera. Like, literally, like, 90% of what you could have suggested would be better than Panera. I have a little bit of beef with Panera. I have, like, a lot of beef with Panera. I really like their coffee and their tea, actually. I really like their bagels. When I, when I came down to college from New York, I, 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 I was missing New York bagels, which are amazing. They're, they're delicious. And Panera was probably the closest bagel that I could find to something like a New York bagel. But they charge you for cream cheese. They charge you extra money for, I don't even want to talk about this. But, but Panera also is really, really expensive. And on this particular day that we went to Panera, they gave me a sandwich with the turkey and avocado. The turkey was cold. So you know it came out of like some fridge and they warmed it up and they didn't warm it up long enough. It was cold and the avocado was hard. Like, who eats hard avocado? Nobody. Okay? I was so upset that day that we were going to Panera. And I like to think that I was trying to have a good attitude. And I was like, we'll go wherever the group wants to go. But inside, I was not excited. Inside, I did not want to be there. And even once we got there, you would think like, okay, well, that was a mature adult. He'll just have a good attitude. No. I complained like the whole time. I was like, ah, Panera. And the whole time, and I realized, and it was such a simple thing in such a small way, but I left that day thinking, man, I'm not interested in sacrificing. I want it to be all about me, what I want, what I desire, where I want to go, what I want to eat. And if we're not careful or if we pause long enough to think about that, the truth is each and every one of us can do that. And it's so prevalent, it's so normalized for us to be so absorbed with ourselves that we forget to think about others and we forget this word called sacrifice. And yet if we desire to see spiritual awakening, if we desire to see revival, we need sacrifice. And Jesus illustrates this for us beautifully. And this is the scripture where we're going to be camping out today. So Philippians chapter 2, go ahead and turn there. Philippians chapter 2. There's this famous passage that's talking about Jesus and his sacrifice. Philippians chapter 2, from verse 6 to verse 11. I don't hear any pages going, so either it's on your phone or you forgot your Bibles. Okay, I'll give you a pass. Here we go. You're forgiven. Just don't give me a Panera gift card. Here we go. Verse 6, who, we'll start at verse 5. Um, this is Paul writing. He says, Let, um, 
have the same mind. You see, he's been talking about Christ's example of humility. And he's talking about all of Christ, the way Christ thinks, the way Jesus works. And then he says, I want you to have this same mind. Think these ways and these terms amongst yourselves. This is already your way of thinking in Christ Jesus. So he's like, if you're a believer, you will think these ways. Verse 6, Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, didn't, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, verse 9, the second half, what we'll look at in a minute. But the first part is so interesting because it says that he, Paul, says that we should have this same mind, the mind that Christ Jesus had, who though he was in the, same, in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped. Now, what does to grasp mean? To catch, reach, what else? Hold, understand, I like that. To grab onto something, to hold to reach, to latch. It says, that, it says that, that God is right here, and it says Jesus was equal with God. So if God is here, Jesus is equal, where does, where does that put Jesus? Equal, right next to him. He says, here's God, here's Jesus, equal right next to him. He says, Jesus, though, didn't count the fact that he was the same as God. He was equal to God. He didn't count it as something to hold on to. Instead, it says here, verse 7, he emptied himself. He let go by taking on the form of a servant. Now, what do we know about servants? They serve. What else? What do we know about servants? They're considered less than. They're counted low. It's not the same level as God. It's, in fact, kind of the opposite. It's like lesser than humanity. And it says that, that, that Jesus was equal with God. He let go of that, being made in the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here's God right up here, the highest of the food chain, the highest you can go. Jesus is right next to him as equal, and Jesus lets go of that. And he becomes like a servant, which means he's coming down. He's, he's lowering himself. He's changing his posture. He's becoming a servant in the form of a man. And he becomes obedient to the point of death. And then it says this one phrase, this interesting phrase, even death on a cross. You see, we wouldn't get this, but death on a cross was like the worst type of death that you could have back in the day. Like there was executions and then there was death on a cross. It's like if you were a criminal and you did something horrible, you were executed. If you did something despicable, something awful, then you were put crucified on a cross. It was like the worst type of death. And so Jesus, who is up here right next to God, he, he takes a step down by becoming a servant, by becoming man, and by dying, and dying on a cross. Instead of holding on to his equalness to, to God, he lets go of it, and he comes all the way down to the point of death, even death on a cross. You talk about sacrifice, you talk about humility. He gives up what is rightfully his. He says, I'm willing to let go of this. 
This is so interesting to me because in our culture, in our society, we talk so much about getting higher up the food chain, higher up the ladder. We do all these things to gain success. We do all these things to become more popular. We do all these things to to become better, to be the best, to be number one, A-list. We're constantly looking and trying and striving and and practicing and and talking and anything we can do to become more, to, to work our way up. And Jesus, who's already up, says, hey, here's sacrifice. I'm going to let go of my status, of my position, of being equal with God, and I'm going to come down to the form of a human. I'm going to be just like man. Someone compared the image of Jesus coming down as if, as if you were, if you had a pile of ants. Now, I know in South Carolina it's really rough because we have fire ants and we don't like ants and they bite and it's horrible. But imagine you had like nice friendly ants. I don't know like what kind. But you, what kind? Ant-Man's ants. There you go, from the movie. You got a bunch of ants and, and like water's coming or something bad is coming. Like you're about to mow the lawn and they're about to go like everywhere. And so you want to tell them to like relocate and you want to tell them just to move. And it's like you're like, you're like move, like get out of here. You're about to die. The example of Jesus coming down would be like us becoming an ant, not cool like Ant-Man, but just like giving up our status as a human to becoming an ant so we could crawl up to them and say, guys, we got to get out of here. Destruction is coming. And that's only a small taste, a small image, a small idea of what potentially that would be like. Jesus left his spot on the throne to come down, to be made low. And you see, in the economy of Scripture, when Scripture talks about this, that's exactly what, it, what it's talking about. And Scripture says that, that, that Jesus must increase and I must decrease. You see, the way that this works, the way that this happens is, is we do come down. We do lower ourselves so that Christ becomes elevated. We, we, we let go of ourselves. We empty ourselves so that Christ is made much of. That's the way that it works in Scripture. That's the way that it needs to happen, that we let go so that Christ is made high. And that's what happens here in verse 9. You start to see it. After he's done this, after he's made himself obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, verse 9, it says, Therefore God then took Jesus and highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow on heaven, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the highest title that could be given to Jesus. So because Jesus is willing to let go, because he's willing to sacrifice, because he's willing to to, to be made less, God then takes him and makes him to be more. So if we want to see spiritual revival, we need to be willing to sacrifice. We need to be willing to put others before us. We need to be willing to put Jesus, to put God before us. You see, guys, my question for us tonight is simple. What, what are we willing to sacrifice? What are we willing to sacrifice? Because we live in this culture that says that you are the most important person, that you are the greatest, that, that you are incredible, that you're awesome, that you're all that in a bag of chips, that, that you are number one, that, that, that you're better than every other person, that you need to strive for that, practice for that, work for that, talk your way into that position. And yet Christ is saying, if you want to see spiritual revival... You need to be willing to let some things go. You need to be willing to sacrifice. Now, hopefully through this series, you've, you've understood maybe some of the sacrifices are, are, are our time. Maybe we need to be willing to, to wake up a little bit earlier in the morning 
and spend some time reading God's word. I've been convicted of that because I love me some sleep. Maybe we need to be willing to sacrifice our own preferences to let our friends, our, our, our siblings, we don't like that, our parents, to get what they desire and not what we want. Maybe the next time someone offers up, where should we go eat? Me, I could say, wherever you want. And when they pick Panera, I can go there with a smile and get excited about the cold turkey and hard avocado. Maybe we have to be willing to sacrifice our preferences. Maybe we have to be willing to sacrifice some of our habits, our sin habits. Maybe we need to get serious and be willing to find God or find someone who can help us and say, God, I'm willing to let go of this. I'm willing to eradicate this sin from my life. Maybe for us in this room, we need to start to sacrifice what other, people's think, what other people think of us. Maybe we need to be willing to say, I don't care what others are saying. I don't care how others view me. I want to be about God. I want to be about Jesus. I want to be about the Holy Spirit. I want to be a Christian, and I don't care what everyone thinks. You see, we have such a hard time letting go of this, especially us here in Lexington, South Carolina. We put such a big deal on what other people are saying. We put such a big deal on popularity. We put such a big deal on status. We put such a big deal on what others are going to say and think about us. Interestingly enough, the people who are saying and doing those things are just as insecure as us. They're just as worried about what we're thinking about them. And maybe we need to be the first to say, man, I don't care because I love Jesus because I follow him, and that's most important to me. Maybe we need to be willing to sacrifice our popularity, our status, being cool for the sake of following Jesus. Maybe we need to start to tell others about Jesus. You see, we have this idea where sometimes telling others about Jesus, like what that means is just inviting them to church. And we think, man, I want this friend to, to know God. I should invite them to church. Man, I want this, people, this friend to, to have a walk with God. I'll just invite him to, to Sunday, and I'll pick like a cool Sunday where we're doing a lot of games and not a lot of message. Or maybe I'll invite him to my small group because there we really just hang out most of the time and we don't do as much Bible time. And we, and we feel like that's like the, 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 our, the height, like the greatest thing we can do spiritually. Well, well, maybe the best thing that we can do is actually tell people why we are Christians. Maybe we can sit down with a friend who's going through a hard time and say, can I pray for you? And they're like, I don't believe in that. And you're like, that's okay, I do. Let me pray for you. And let's see what God does. Maybe our sacrifice could be not worrying about what our friends are saying and walking up to them and saying, hey, I, I read the Bible and I pray. And I want to tell you about Jesus. You see, in Romans chapter 10, there's these two verses that, that are kind of like the, the staple verses for anyone who is, who's talking about ministry, talking about missions, talking about telling others about Jesus. In, in chapter 10, verse 14 of Romans, it says this, How then will they, and it's talking about the rest of the world, it's talking about all of humanity, it's talking about all of the people. It says, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? It's like, how are people going to talk about Jesus? How are they going to call on his name if they don't believe in him? And it says, how are they going to believe without someone preaching to them? And how are they going to be preached to Unless someone is sent, as it is written, beautiful are the feet who preach good news. 
The idea is this. God is calling us to go and tell other people about salvation, about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. God wants each and every one of you guys, part of our spiritual revival is to go and tell other people about this. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes people will think we're weird. Sometimes people will laugh at us. But that's okay. Because if we're willing to sacrifice, God can accomplish great things. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in the one that they have never heard of? And how are they going to hear if no one ever tells them? Our call as a believer is to tell other people about our walk with Christ. And sometimes it can be embarrassing. Sometimes we might not know what to say. Sometimes we may not be in the mood. Sometimes our lifestyle may have to change in order for us to do it. When I was 16, I decided I was going to tell others about Jesus. And when I told my friends about Jesus, they were like, Stal, that sounds great, but you're not doing these things. You're saying how awesome he is, but you're cheating on tests. And you're hanging out with us and doing inappropriate things and making inappropriate jokes. Like, like do you really believe this? You're the one who's not doing it yourself. And I had to realize, maybe my life needs to change. Maybe I need to sacrifice what I desire to start to tell others about Christ. Maybe I need to be willing to sacrifice in order to see spiritual awakening, to see revival in my heart and the people around me. You see, a long, long time ago, there was, these, there was this young girl. And when she was about nine years old, her dad was in a car accident and passed away. And she had a younger sister who was seven years old. And, and the two sisters lived alone with their mom. And this happened like... I don't even know when. It was like a long time ago. And back then, back in the day, it was so uncommon to be a single parent that, that they needed help in the family. They needed help to be able to, to live and, and go about their day. And so one day someone came by from a church down the road and knocked on the door and said, hey, would you guys be interested in, in coming to this church? I mean, that's usually a good way to start. That's a good invitation. That's a good step one to invite someone to church. But they took it a step further. They said, we want to tell you guys about the gospel message, the message of Jesus. They said, we want you to know that everyone has sinned and that your payment for sin is separation from God. But God, because of his love, sent his son Jesus to pay that price. And as these girls started to attend church and a youth group probably similar to this, they started to receive teaching and instruction. And eventually, the oldest girl gave her life to Christ. She said, I want to follow Jesus. I'm all in. She went through middle school. She went through high school. And when she graduated, she decided to go to a Bible college. When she went to Bible college, she started to learn more and more about Scripture and about ministry. She met her husband, and the two of them decided they, they felt like God was calling them to do ministry. And not only ministry, but God was calling them to be missionaries. And so eventually they packed up all their stuff, and they moved to another country and started to plant churches in another country. Well, this couple ended up having four children, a daughter and three boys. And one by one, as they got old enough, they all moved back to the the United States. The oldest one went to a Christian school, has a regular job, and started volunteering at a church. The other one became a a pastor and started working with, with students in student ministry. There was a third one who got married and ended up going to full time missions with his family. And then there was a fourth one who also studied to become a pastor with a dream and a desire to return to that country where he grew up to do missions. See, guys, this is the story of, of my mom. When my mom was in middle school. 
She lost her dad. She was in elementary school, and, and when she was in middle school, she walked into a relationship with God. Someone sacrificed all that they had. They, they, they didn't care what they were going to think. They didn't care what it would be like to knock on their door and say, do you guys want to come to church? Can we tell you about Jesus? And because of that, because of that, that small gesture that started with them, because of that, that little thing that started with prayer, a big, giant ripple effect started to a couple meeting and going overseas to do ministry in Italy and to tell other people about Jesus and then to affect four children with a desire to serve God. What are you willing to sacrifice? What is God asking you to sacrifice? Like, we're, we're all in different places. I don't expect this to be one size fits all. Some of us need to be willing to, to sacrifice sleep and we need to be able to get up earlier and, and, and read and pray. Some of us need to be willing to sacrifice the material things that we own and are so in love with. Some of us, some of us need to sacrifice this. Maybe we just need to lay it down for a little bit or get someone to put a different password on, put a, a, a time restriction on. And some of us need to be willing to sacrifice our popularity, our status, our concern with what everybody thinks so that we could go and share the gospel with them. We're not going to care what they're going to say when we turn around and walk away because, because here's what's most important, our walk with Jesus. What they say and think and do isn't important. What's important to us is what we, what we believe. It doesn't matter what other people are saying. What matters is what Christ has asked me to do, and that is to proclaim this book, the contents of it, the message of Jesus with others. And if I'm not cool, then who cares? Probably was never cool to begin with anyway. What is God asking you to sacrifice? Tonight, we're going to sing a, a closing song. And, and what I'm going to ask you guys to do is as we sing this song, I just want you to, to sing the lyrics, pray the lyrics, get quiet for, for a second, just pray yourself in God. And ask God to say, God, what, what do you want me to sacrifice? What do I need to give up? What do I need to let go of for the sake of your gospel? What, what, for my relationship, in order to see revival in my friendships, in these circles, what, what do I need to let go of? God, what are you asking me to sacrifice? I'm going to come back out at the end and we'll do a response. But just ask God to show you, to reveal to you, what is it that you need to let go of? What do you have to give up? What do you need to sacrifice for the sake of seeing revival, spiritual awakening happen in your life and in the life of the people around you? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this evening. Father, even with this different time, earlier in the afternoon, Super Bowl Sunday, Father, we're so thankful that we can come and hear what you have for us. God, thank you for a church that gives us the opportunity to meet and sing praises to your name and, and sing it with all of our might, with our hearts open. And Father, I pray tonight, during this song, during this response, that you would start to stir in our hearts. Father, maybe there's something that you've already been, been, been whispering in our ear, in our hearts that we need to give up something that you want us to let go of? Would you confirm that to us as we sing this song? And Father, would you give us the strength, the boldness, the faith to say, Father, I'm willing to sacrifice if it means seeing your kingdom come, if it means being, seeing spiritual revival in this place. Jesus, speak to our hearts. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen.